I'm a little out of breath, guys. Can we give it up for Jesus? <laughs> All right, guys. So in the series of this entire month, we've been doing of... Sorry. Fatherlessness. Um, I have the privilege and honor to come up here and share my testimony living under a household without my father. I grew up falling asleep on my house couch waiting for my dad to pick me up. At the age of four, my dad left my mom and my brother for alcohol, for his friends. Um, it was around the age of five where finally they divorced. Um, and the only memory I had of my mom was arguing with my dad, kicking him out the house, so I began to be bitter and angry towards my mom. I was blaming her for the divorce. Um, growing up, I, I was a daddy's girl, and all my pictures of, you know, my first birthday, second, third, fourth, I was, um, thank you. It was rough, y'all. But, um, Yes, so my dad had left my family. It led me to be anger, angry and bitter towards my mom. So then I didn't have a good relationship with him. Um, my dad would say, I'm gonna go pick you up, Miha, be ready by five o'clock. I'd be there with my Hello Kitty uh, coat waiting by the door. He never came. He never would pick me up or try to even reach out to me, you know? So this led to me being angry and bitter now towards my father, not understanding why he didn't want to visit me or show me love. Um, then around the age of eight, my mom remarried, and um, I had this hope, wow, this man's going to come into our lives and be finally the dad figure that I need in the household, the father figure in my, in my life. But only that came to disappoint me when... Um, he would sexually molest me from the ages of 8 to 14, going on to 15. Every chance he got when my mom would go out for errands, I would beg my mom, Mom, can I go with you to go do groceries? Because I knew what was coming. It was um, an everyday fear in my household, not knowing if I'm going to wake up. And my mom ran to Aldi, what I'm going to wake up to. Um, he was a Christian man or so, right? He, he attended a Christian church, and so I was raised Catholic. Um, the only thought of God was religious um, thoughts and religious um, things, like doing my confirmation, doing my communion. I never knew what a relationship with God was. I knew religion. I didn't know relationship, and so I didn't have an intimate relationship with God. I didn't, I didn't know who um, he was. I didn't have the encounter of his love. I knew of God, but I didn't know that he was my father, right? So at the age of four, no, so okay, so all that led to me being depressed. It led to me being, um, I always felt worthless. I mean, coming out the showers, I felt dirty all the time. 
Um, I didn't know that I was valuable, right, in the eyes of God. And so in middle school, I was very, I had the nastiest attitude. I could never love anybody. The friends that I did have, I would treat them horrible. Um, I had one friend, her name is Jennifer. Many of you guys know her. She's one of the Juarez sisters. She would intercede and pray for me. She was a Christian. And um, I would always reject it, but in at home, I would always envy her because she had the joy of the Lord. She had love. She was showing me love. Um, then at the age of 14, when I had joined the dance ministry at my first Christian church, um, at first I joined just because I wanted to get friends in the church, you know, get to know people at the church. But uh, God had better and greater plans. Amen. And so through one of the praise dances, um, I encountered God. I encountered the love of God there. And the next day, I remember coming out of the shower again, feeling this dirtiness still, feeling and the devil attacking me by saying, you know, you, are wor you aren't worthy. And um, the thought of suicide for the first time came to my side because I was like, I'm worthless. I'm dirty. No one's going to want me. And um, I was crying out for desperation in my room. And um, God, the living God, encountered me right there where I was and uh, he showed me he showed me and it was the first time I felt his love right and instead of feeling worthless he told me you are worthy he started singing words over me and I felt the warm embrace I felt and I encountered the love of God and it was that day where I just surrendered my heart it didn't take any fancy you know song it didn't take anything fancy it just took me surrendering being done with with feeling that way. So I surrendered my heart, and um, he had, my stepfather had instilled fear in me. Many of you are like, from 8 to 14, how come you didn't tell anybody? Well, you know, I was 13, and I believed the lies that he would tell me, you know, your family would end up in the streets. My mom was a single mom. We were struggling a lot. So when he came in, it was like he was the help financially. So he would say, you know, you guys are going to be left on the street. And so all the fear that was instilled in me, see, God's perfect love, he vanished that. Because I had the courage that same day to tell my mom of what he was doing. And that same day, my mom kicked him out the house. Praise God, she believed in me. And so um, through all of that, God replaced all the hurt, all the bitterness, all the anger person that I was and he replaced it with joy he replaced it with peace he replaced it with the strength you know of the living God and um, I can stand here by the grace of God and show my one-on-oneers love show my brother love show my mom love because it's the love of God that lives in me you know I, I used to be the one in middle school where my nickname was bulldog like I always had a mean face on my face I wanted to fight anybody and anyone who looked at me wrong um, Jennifer was always the one to break up fights that I would get into because I was so angry. And now, you know, I just want to spread the love of God. I, I love people because God, God's love lives in me. So I think I went over time. I'm sorry, Lawrence. But praise God. Guys, give it up for being, <laughs> God being a father to the fatherless. So, amen. Give a hand clap for Jesus. And last but not least, Lawrence giving the word. Woo, Lawrence! Elevate! Woo! Amen. Wow. want everybody to just take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. 
those performances were awesome. The testimonies were awesome. The time of prayer was awesome. The worship. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel God's presence. I felt God's presence from the beginning up till now. I mean, God is moving. God is here. And so if you just want to feel God's love, if you want more of God, I just want to raise your hand. I just want to see who I'm talking to right now. If you want more of God, amen. Amen. So why don't we all just bow our heads and close our eyes right now. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. He's already here, but let's just ask him to increase his presence. Holy Spirit, we make ourselves aware of who you are. We make ourselves aware that you're in this room right now, God. God, you're right next to us, Lord. You're closer, God, than the skin on our bones, Lord God. God, you're closer, Lord God. God, you're in the very breath that we're breathing, Lord God. You're holding us together, God. You're the sustainer of all things, God. You sustain our lives at this very moment, Lord God. We honor you. We recognize you in this place, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just ask you that your presence would just emanate, Lord God. Would just begin to fill this room, Lord God. God, because it's all about you, Lord. Just want to encourage you in this time. Just engage with the Lord right now. Just ask God for a fresh hunger for, for, for him, for his presence. Ask him to reveal his love to you. Maybe you've come from a fatherless background. Maybe your father was not a good father to you, and, and, and you just have this mirrored image of, of what it's supposed to be like to have a good dad. Well, guess what? God wants to replace that. He wants to show you what an awesome dad is supposed to look like in him. Because God is the perfect father. Holy Spirit, reveal that to us right now. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If we can all turn to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. It's actually going to be a little bit difficult reading with this in my hand. Usually I have a podium that I can slap around. But that's okay. That, it's all good. Yeah, I don't need the podium, but I would like to slap something. Amen. Oh, Eric. Eric's giving me something to slap. Come on, somebody. Give it up for Eric, helping the preacher out. Just move this right here. If you guys are at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1, say amen. If you're not, then you can just look at the screen. It's right there. Amen. Praise God. All right. So I'm just going to read the verses here. Just want to explain maybe the context a little bit of what's going on. We're about to see. Um, we're kind of entering into a conversation between God and the people of Israel. For those of you who don't know who the people of Israel were, they were a very special group. Thousands of years ago, they followed God. They obeyed his commandments. They were very religious. They did everything right. They listened to the voice of the Lord, right? And that was God's chosen people. And so they followed God. They listened to him. He was literally their Lord. They followed him. They obeyed his commandments. They did what God told them to do. And so in Jeremiah chapter 3, we see God kind of having a conversation with the, the people of Israel. He's talking to them about something. He's addressing certain things going on within the nation. And as we're going to see here in, this, in these verses, what's been going on is that these people of Israel, though they once loved God, though they once served God, though they once obeyed his commandments, they slowly but surely started to go off on the wrong path. They started to backslide. That word is actually in here. I believe it's further down in the chapter. God literally says, I will cure your backsliding. So these people of Israel, they begin to fall away from the Lord. 
They begin to distance themselves from God. What does that term mean, backslide? What does that term mean, backslide? Is that just a Christianese curse word? Oh, you're backslid. No, it actually means something. There's actually a scenario that goes with that word. See, here's what, backslidden, backsliding. Here's what it means. It means when you're close to God. It means when you once felt his presence. It means when you once heard his voice. He told you that, you that he loved you. You told him that you loved him back. And there was an intimate relationship there. There was a friendship. You were a friend of God. You were God's friend. You knew God in a personal way, right? See, backslidden is when that person who once knew God and was friends with God starts to distance themselves from the Lord and say, no, you know what, God? Sorry, I'm, I'm not cool with you anymore. Sorry, God, can you go like over here in this corner because I'm with my friends now and you're going to kind of embarrass me. Right? See, that this is what backslidden means, right? When we, we kind of put God into this little space, we tell God, no, Lord, you know, maybe we should have a little bit more distance. You know, you're cool, you're awesome, but you just get a little too excited sometimes. Just calm down. I'm going to go over here, God. You can chill, you know, in this one spot. Just stay there while I kind of do my own thing, right? Basically, you're, you're pursuing other things at the cost of your friendship with God. Let me give you an example. Say you're at school, right? And you have, like, your friend from, like, like kindergarten or something. I don't know. Like you, you like drank baby bottles together. Okay. This is your, like, this is your day one. Like you came out of the womb and they were right there and like you were homies instantly. Right. And you like grow up and like, that's your best friend and you do everything together. But guess what? You hit high school and all the cool kids really don't like that friend that you have. So you kind of care more about the cool kids and your popularity and how cool you look and how awesome you are. So you kind of distance yourself from that friend. Anybody seen that before? right? Anybody witnessed that? Maybe you've been that person. Repent. Amen. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's like they kind of go with these cool kids. They kind of ditch their friends so that they can kind of look popular and everything, right? They pursue these other friendships at the cost of their one true friend who's with them from the beginning, right? So that's kind of the idea behind backsliding. It's when somebody who once was close with God starts to distance themselves from God and pursue other things. And that's exactly what we're going to see in chapter 3 here in Jeremiah. I'm going to go ahead and read it out. Verse 1, it says, If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to again? Would not the land be completely defiled? But you have lived as a what? Oh, go, go, go back, go back. It's okay, you can say that word in church. But you have lived as a... Oh, okay. Okay, Jesus. What's going on? You got my attention now. You're, you're using some serious language here. What's going on? Okay, but you have lived as a prostitute with many what? Lovers. Lovers. Huh. Is Jesus watching like Glee? Is he watching the Disney Channel? Like is he watching the latest movie that's, on, that's like some romantic nonsense, right? Or lovers? Pro what's going on? What's, what's Jesus trying to get at here? Okay, let's move forward. What's the next few verses here. Would you now return to me, declares the Lord. So they were living as prostitutes, giving themselves over to many lovers, and now God is saying, would you now return to me, declares the Lord. He says, look up to the barren heights and see, is there any place where you have not been ravished? By the roadside, you sat waiting for what? Lovers. Waiting for lovers. Going to the next, next one, thank you. Sat like a nomad in the desert, you have defiled the land, and with your prostitution, here we go, we see it again, prostitution, and wickedness. Therefore, the showers have been withheld, and no spring rains have fallen, yet you have the brazen look of a, whoa, what is that word again? Prostitute, you have a brazen look. 
You look like a prostitute. I don't know if any of you guys want to be called that today. I don't, know, I don't think, I'm not that hip. I was raised homeschooled. I don't know all the terminology and lingo. But I, I, I think if somebody calls you a prostitute, that's, that's probably not a good thing, right? Right? We, we all get that, right? We all understand that. You refuse to blush with shame. Have you not just called to me my father? This is the people of Israel talking. It's interesting. Catch this. It's the people of Israel. They're talking kind of to God, about God. They say, my father, my friend from my youth, will you always be angry? Will your wrath continue forever? This is how you talk, but you do all the evil you can. Why is Jesus talking about prostitution? What does that have to do with the people of Israel? What does that have to do with these people who once served God, who loved God? They were obeying the commandments, right? Well, guess what? Here's what God is saying. They once obeyed God, they once loved God, and they once gave their love only to God. But there came a point in their timeline where they turned from the Lord and started to look for other lovers, They started to look for other people, other things, other materialistic possessions that they could give themselves over to. Kind of like a prostitute. They were looking for the highest bidder, what could bring them the best pleasure. And they were looking for it in all these different areas. They were willing to give themselves over to literally anything. You look at some of these cultures that we're back in the day, right? A lot of times we like to kind of uh, look back at our history and be like, yeah, man, I'm so proud. This is who I was. This is my people, right? But if you look back at actually the different cultures back then, they were butchering each other. They were killing each other, yes, before the Americans arrived in North America, right? There was a lot of crazy sinful stuff going on. Come on, right? It's true. Um, And so the people of Israel, they started to literally go crazy, giving themselves over to anything and everything that you could possibly imagine. Yet the one thing they would not give themselves to, the one thing they decided not to go after was God. See, they're prostituting themselves. They're giving themselves over. They're making themselves available to money, to sex, to popularity, to vanity, to all these different things. Yet they refuse to surrender to the only person that actually cares about them. They choose not to give themselves over to the only person who actually loves them and can actually take care of them, that can actually help them, that can actually give them prosperity, that can actually bless their family. And so God is looking at the people of Israel. He's rebuking them. He's bringing to their attention, you guys are giving yourselves over to literally every type of thing imaginable, but you won't give your own heart to me. This is the situation going on here in Jeremiah chapter 3. If we can turn to the next set of verses, Oscar. Verse 12, God continues on. It says, go proclaim this message towards the north. Return, faithless Israel. Everybody say return. You know what's interesting? Despite Israel's wickedness, despite Israel and the Jewish people turning their back on God, Literally backsliding, falling away from the Lord, saying, God, we don't want you in our life. Despite all of that, God is there in the picture saying, I want you to return to me. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of a good father. He sees his children wander off doing a bunch of crazy nonsense, and he's saying, look, come back to me. 
Return to me. What does this have to do with tonight? What does this have to do with, you know, 2018? That this isn't relevant. What are you talking about? No, it's very relevant because God is saying to you tonight, return to me. Stop backsliding. Stop giving yourself over to everything. You will give yourself over for some dumb movie, but you won't spend five minutes in your word. You'll go hang out with some bogus friends that you know they don't care anything about you, but you won't spend time with your Christian brothers and sisters. And this is God's message to you. He's saying, return to me. He loves you. He's after your heart. He's not pushing you away. He's not saying, get away from me. You messed up. You messed all of your chances up. You wasted your opportunities. No, he's saying, return to me. There's still a chance. There's still an opportunity for you to come back. He says, return faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. See, here's the key. Jesus is pleading with the people of Israel at this point. He's saying, look, guys, return to me. In order for you to do that, you have to acknowledge your sin. You have to acknowledge your guilt. You have to acknowledge that you're backslidden. You have to acknowledge your life is jacked up and messed up. It boggles my mind. Some of the most worst just wicked people sit around as if they, they don't have a problem in the world, and they're okay. Like, you'll watch these videos, these documentaries of, like, serial killers. I was actually watching one at Oscar's house. This lady, like, strapped a bomb onto this pizza guy. It was crazy. And, and you know what? She literally, in this interview, she was saying she was innocent. They caught her. They had all the evidence. And she just said, they're like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm okay. What's the problem? It's human nature to deny, to want to uh, deny the truth that you're messed up, that you've sinned, that you're guilty before God. We have to humble ourselves. We have to say, God, it's not about me. Lord, I've messed up. I, 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 I've, I've wasted so many opportunities. Lord, I've been a prostitute, giving myself over to every person that I see, every, every material possession, every feeling, every emotion. But God, I won't give it to you, Lord. I repent. God, I acknowledge my guilt, right? So it starts with the people of Israel. They have to acknowledge and confess that they have sinned. That's the first and foremost thing. God is calling them to return He's saying, I'm faithful, I'll be there for you, but you have to confess your sin. You have to acknowledge you don't have it all together. Don't wait till you have three baby mamas, you're without a job, your life is just broke, busting, disgusting, you're passed out in some corner because you drank too much, right? Dude, repent now. Get it right with God now before you make an utter fool of yourself. God is trying to spare you. He's saying, look, just acknowledge your sin. I'll cleanse you, I'll make you new. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me. Think about this, guys. Look at this. Pay attention to this because this might be you in this room. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every possible tree, yet you have not obeyed me. What does this have to do with you? Guys, you will go out with some girl that you don't even know and spend a year, two years trying to pursue her, whatever, but you won't go after God. You'll spend up, you'll, you'll stay up till five in the morning talking to some dude that you think likes you and they're, they're cheating on you with five other girls. You'll spend five hours talking to them past midnight and yet you won't go after God. I don't understand this. Because see, guys, I know you can be on fire. I know you can go after things. 
I, I, man, I, I hear about your Snapchats. I hear about your Facebook. I hear about this gossip, this nonsense. It's like, okay, you're going after all these different things. You're like radical, but you're not radical for God. You're radical for sex. You're radical for relationships. You're radical for popularity. And you'll give yourself to every possible thing, but you won't give yourself to God. That's rebellion. That's pride. What is that? Somebody help me out. I mean, I don't know. What, what else is that? What else is that? That is pride and rebellion to its worst. But again, God's a good God. And he's waiting for you to come to him. And he's saying, please, just confess your sin. Just acknowledge where you're at. It's okay. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. You just need to humble yourself and come to me. Next verse. You might say to yourself, well, how does this tie into fatherlessness? Is this just you? You just want to yell at me and rebuke me and all that stuff? Well, that, that's partially true. <laughs> but along uh, maybe a few months ago, maybe last year, I was reading this, 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 this chapter here, these verses. And what we're about to read really stuck out to me, and, and it just struck me. Because it revealed something about the heart of God that I, that I didn't quite grasp. And I believe it all ties in so perfectly with tonight, with this sermon series that we've been in. And with these passages, you know, we, we see that the people of Israel are rebelling. They don't care about God. They don't want God. They're going hard after all these other religions and material things. They could care less about God, but God's still there. He's still trying to get their attention right. He's trying to get your attention tonight. Hello, somebody. And we see in verse 19, what does it say here? It says, I myself said, how gladly I would treat you like my children. Everybody say children. God cares about children. And in this specific verse, he's saying, how gladly I would like to treat you as my child. How gladly, how amazing it would be if I could call you my own child, if I could call you my own son, if I could call you my own daughter. See, guys, this is what God thinks about. Some of you don't, don't you, you, you've never spent enough time with God to actually know what he thinks about and what he cares about. But guys, when we look at the word, we find out who he is and his character. And guess what? He likes children. He likes you. He wants to be a father to you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. Yes, while you're backsliding, living a foolish life, doing everything to get away from God, God is there and he loves you. And he wants you to come to him because he wants you to be his child. He wants you to be his son and his daughter. Does that mean anything to anybody? We serve a God in heaven who created the universe, who could squash you in an instant because of your rebellion. But he chooses not to because he loves you so much. This is the God we serve. But it goes on, how gladly I would treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. You know, when I think of this, the, the, what, what, what the, these words that are said here, it, it kind of reminds me of maybe some of these movies or even we've seen, you know, different fathers, good dads, right? Good fathers, you know, they, they look at their children like, man, I wish I could give my children the best of the best. I just want to buy them the most expensive toy. I want to take them out. I want to play ball with them. I want to spend time with them, right? That's what a good dad does, right? And so here we see God kind of emulating that. He's saying, look, I want to give my kids the best thing that they could ever have. I want to give my children. Think about this, guys. If you're not God's child, you're not going to have anything to do with this. you got to catch that. If you're not God's child, you have none of this, okay? This is for God's children. God is saying, if you're my child, man, I want to give you the most pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance. That's what God wants to give you tonight, beauty. He wants to give you the most pleasant things of life. 
because he's a good father, because he's a good dad, and because he cares about you, and he cares about children, and he wants you to be his son and his daughter. But it goes on. And this in particular, maybe it'll hit you as it hit me. I pray it does. But it says this, I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. You can leave it there, Oscar. I thought you would call me what? Father. Everybody say it again. I thought you would call me what? Louder. Amen. Thank you. I thought you would call me father. What is God thinking about right now? What is God thinking about when he's talking to these people of Israel? What is God thinking about when he's talking to a backslidden, rebellious people who care nothing about him, who care only about their sin? What is God thinking about, guys? I thought you would call me what? Guess what, guys? God's thinking about he wants to be your father. In your rebellion, in your sin, in your wickedness, God's saying, I wish you would call me father. I wish you would call me dad. This is what God's thinking about as he sees you living a foolish lifestyle, going after every possible thing, and God's trying to get your attention, like that skit we just saw, and how Joby was like in the background waving his hands all crazy, right? That's Jesus trying to get our attention, and the whole time, while we're going to all these other things in life, God is saying, I want you to call me Father. You want to know a thought of God? Right now, you want to know what God's kind of thinking about? Think about it, guys. All the other religions out there, they make God and the, the creator and all this stuff so mystical. Well, we don't really know what God's thinking about. We could never know. Man, God's so high above our understanding. God's so this, God's so that. But here, God gives us a clear, I just love it. God just gives, he's like, guys, this is what I'm thinking about. Y'all looking at me crazy. You ever in a relationship or you're, you're with your mom or your dad and they just kind of look at you and they're like, man, you know, son, you know, daughter, you know, babe, whatever. Hey, well, what are you thinking about? It's like that intimate question. I never had the right answer. I'd look at my mom and be like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know. But guess what? God wants us to know what he's thinking about. He wants us to know that he wants to hear us call him father. I don't know if that means anything to anybody here. People who've grown up without their dad, people who've grown up with an abusive dad, people who've grown up with an absent dad, a dad who's walked out on you, a dad who, 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 who cheated on, you know, your, your mother for another woman, right? God's saying, no, I want you to be, I want to be your dad. I thought you would call me father. And again, why is it important? And this, this has really struck me. Is what, why is it important to God if we call him father or not? Why is it important to God if we call him father? What is it about father? Like, God, what, out of all the things that you could care about, out of all the things that could possibly get your attention, why, why father? What, what, what does that mean? Like, God, why, do you, why would you care if I call you father or not? I want somebody to come up here on the stage and just answer that question very simply. Here's the question. Why does God care if we call him father or not? Somebody come up to the stage. Don't shout it out. Anybody? I'll, I'll say the question one more time. Maybe it's a little complicated. Maybe you got to think about it. Okay, I'll give you like a few more seconds. Why does God care if we call him dad or not? Anybody? This isn't rocket science. This isn't algebra. I see Megan moving around. Oh, no. Wait, oh, Melanie. Okay, Melanie. Wait, 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 what's why, why, does, why does God care if we call him father or not? Well, 
It's a sense of value. I guess when you call someone your father or you call someone your mother, you're showing them value, that you value them, you give them a name, you respect them. And that's what he wants us to do with him. So that's why he wants us to call him father. Why does God care about like us giving him that kind of value? Well, he gave us that. He blessed us to have this life, so of course he would care. He would care that we would, um, you know, live our lives, that we would go to him. And, you know, this care, the fact that he gave us our life, that shows so much that he cares for us. Amen. Give it up for Melanie. Good job. He cares about us, right? Amen. That answer was very close. That answer was very close, and that's a good try. You know what? You get, you get a treat for that. You get candy. Somebody, a leader. A leader right now. Give her candy right now. Thank you, Ricky. Get it. Get it. For real. For real. We don't play games right now. Candy. Amen. You'll get candy, Melanie. Um, Josie, you have your hand raised? You want to come up? Let me ask you the same. And again, that, that answer was very, very close, but I'm looking for a specific answer. Josie, why does God care if we call him Father or not? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Amen. That's good. That's good. You can take a seat. Thank you, Josie. Okay, I'll take two more people. Take two more people. This is good. This is good. Megan, I'll ask you the same question. Very simple. Uh, Megan, why does God care if we call him a father? I think it's because we were born again in his arms. Amen. That's a great answer. Thank you, Megan. Because we were born again, right? And God loves us and he cares about us. Jason, I saw, no, wait, I'm sorry, Michael. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw Jason say, no, no, no. Jason, can you, I love you, Mike. Um, Jason, why does God care if we call him a father or not? Because I believe that he's our true parent. Just like our parents made us, um, God created us in his own image. You know, he created us, and of course he would have the love of a parent. I mean, we call him the father for a reason. He loves us just like a father does. Amen. Amen, exactly. And I think that, that that comes closest to what I was going to say. Just, just very simple. The only reason why God cares if we call him a father or not is because he is a father. The only reason why God cares about us calling him a dad is because he is a dad. And when God looks at you, he has the eyes of a dad. And it breaks his heart when he sees his children, his creation wander off go crazy, do all these different things, and it hurts him as it hurts a father, and that's why it meant so much to God. He's talking to this rebellious. They, there's no reason why God should love them at this point. There is no reason. And how, come on, man. We've all been there at that point where we literally lived a certain life, or we did things that God, it's like God had the right to just remove us completely. So why is God still talking to this rebellious people? It's because he's a dad, and he wants his children to come back to him. Next verse. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you Israel have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. A cry is heard on the barren heights, the weeping and pleading of the people of Israel because they have perverted their ways and have forgotten the Lord their God. Next verse. Return, faithless people. Return. If there's anything I want you to understand tonight, it's that the Father, God, the heavenly dad, the best dad in the world, he's calling you home. He's saying, return, stop running away, stop backsliding, stop prostituting yourself to everything. Come back home. What does God say about backsliding? There's no hope for, for the backslidden people? 
There's no hope for those who are in rebellion and prideful and all. They're just, they're just gonna, there's just no hope for them. No, what, what is God's heart towards the backslidden? What does he say? I will cure you of your backsliddenness. If you're backslidden today, you have, there's good news tonight. You don't have to be backslidden. God will cure your backslidden heart because he cares about you, because he's a good father, he's a good dad, and he's calling you home. If we can all stand up to our feet. Stephanie, if you can come to the guitar. If I can have my altar workers come up. I can just take the whole thing. Thank you, Jesus. just want us all to just close our eyes right now in this moment. Because there's a heavenly dad that's watching us right now. Oh, and he just wants to hear you call him dad. He just wants to hear you call him father. I don't know if that means anything to anybody in this room, but I know it does to me. That God just wants me to call him father because he is a father and he's my father. So, Father God, we come before you right now. If you know how to speak in tongues, let's just fill the atmosphere with, with, with just a new song. Let's just fill the atmosphere with our, with, with our worship, with tongues. I believe God wants to do something special tonight. God, we're listening, Lord. We return to you, God. God, you won't reject us, God. You won't push us aside, Lord. Lord, you just want to hear us call you Father, God. That means so much to you, God, because you are a Father. Leaders, I just want to encourage you to intercede right now for some of these youth that are in this room. Oh, there's hope for the backslidden tonight. There's hope for those who are in pride. There's hope for the rebellious. God will cure you. God has the cure for a backslidden heart. He'll cure you. He's calling out to you. He's like, just call me Father. Call me Dad. I want you to come home. Lord, release breakthrough right now. God, release freedom in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we come into your arms right now, Lord. We come into your arms, God. We don't know what might happen tomorrow, God. We don't know our future. We don't know what's going to happen. God, we know you're a good father. We know, Lord, that you just appreciate us as your children. God, you just appreciate us calling out to you, Dad, Lord. So we come before you right now, God. We just embrace you. We honor you. Oh, Father, you are our Father, God. You are our Father, God. The answer to a fatherless generation is you because you're the Father. You're the Father. Somebody catch that tonight. Before I have the altar call, I just want everybody collectively, corporately, just repeat after me. Just say, Father God, touch me, touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my emotions with your love. 
God, just let his love just flow through this place. Oh, it's there for you. If you, if you need love, if you never knew what love was because your father was never there, your mom was abusive, your mom just put you down, your father put you down, your father beat you, whatever, just, just receive the love of God right now. It's here. The love of a true father, the love of the father, the, 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 the true dad. He cares about you. Release your spirit, God. Release your presence right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you are standing here tonight and you never knew God as a father, if you are kind of like the people of Israel, you've left God, you've backslid, you've turned away, you never gave your life over to the Lord, I just want this to be a fresh opportunity for you. Come up to these altars, come up to the altar workers. I just want you to go after God, confess the Lord as your heavenly Father right now. That means you have to confess your sin. That means you have to acknowledge that you don't have it all together. But it, you know what? You got to humble yourself. You got to humble yourself. You just got to, he's right here, guys. You can encounter him right now if you want to, but you just got, you got to humble yourself. That's the only way. So if that's you, I just want to invite you, come up right now. Receive prayer if you want to know God the Father more and his love and you want healing from maybe past hurt of, of having just the wrong parental system in your life, hey, there's healing tonight. There's restoration. There's freedom. Thank you, Jesus. The altars are open right now. Stephan, if you can sing something. Jesus be the same. 